Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Adam Cott, author of the book, Life on the Grocery Line, A Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic. Back in 2019, Adam quit his corporate job to work on a novel, and he got a job as a cashier to help pay the bills in January 2020. As you may know, just two months later, global pandemic hit the entire world. That's why it's a global pandemic and not just like a regional one. And as you may remember, grocery stores were pretty much the only thing that was open for a while. And as a result, people were a little chaotic at the stores. Adam chronicled everything that he saw working as a cashier at this high-end grocery store, started off as a blog, turned into a book. He's got a second book on the way. We're covering all of that. There's lots of good stuff going on throughout, and we're just having a lot of fun. And a good reminder by the end of this, and really for right now, is just to be kind to one another, especially grocery store workers, retail workers, servers at restaurants like you don't need to be a jerk to people i know you're not you listening because you're one of my listeners and i would not broadcast to jerks but maybe tell your friend that's you know a little little bit of a a rude person maybe tell them hey lighten up things will be okay we're gonna have a great time if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can reach out via facebook twitter or instagram at gpct podcast you can also always send me a message joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com and if you want to support the show you can head over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com pick up a copy of my book pick up some merch from the merch shop or just head on over to apple Podcasts or Podchaser, or leave a five-star review I'll read some of my favorites on an upcoming episode because I love hearing from you, just like you'll love hearing from Adam. For people who maybe aren't familiar with your work, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Uh, My name is Adam Cott, and I'm author of Life on the Grocery Line, a Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic. It's a kind of a fictionalized memoir that follows Daniel the first week on the job at a high-end grocery store as the pandemic hits. And yeah, that's my pitch, I guess. I didn't do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, maybe the elevator is more of like a conveyor belt. Um, I'm a, kind of like a, a moving walkway type of, type of thing there. And this is, you, you said like kind of a, a fictionalized memoir, but obviously pulling from real life experience. You started as a cashier in January, 2020. So I'm curious, before we, we get into the nuts and bolts, what was from January 2020 to March 2020 like when, when it was, you know, the before times? What was that like? You know, well, like, so in 2019, I quit my job um, in, a, in corporate world because I was just, I was in a bad situation. I wanted to move on and I didn't know what to do. I was one of those people, you know, I'm in my 30s. I just went to college to go to college, didn't have a direction or a plan and um, kind of, I quit and I decided I was going to work on a novel I've been thinking about doing forever. So, um, I I guess I worked on my novel. It was more like I just hung out with friends a lot and <laughs> messed around. But I I did get with a draft by the end of tw- of twenty nineteen, and then um, twenty twenty hit. I needed a job. Uh, my four hundred one k money wasn't good anymore uh, or it was gone and. 
Um, so I had a grocery store was a good way to like be maybe physically exhausted, but not mentally strained because, you know, computers and like sitting in front of it, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of mental strain on you. And so I, I also love talking. Like I have a gift to gab. I really love stories. I love listening to people and getting to know strangers. And that seemed like the perfect kind of job for me. Honestly, I could afford to live on the very low amount of money that they pay those people. It's like 15 bucks an hour in Denver. Um, and that's not much in the city for sure. Uh, I could afford to live on it for a while at least. So I started and it was, you know, it was really enjoyable. Like I, I it was fast paced. I was learning, you, you end up learning a ton of stuff. And like, it was such a busy store that the lines were always packed. You know, there's a fluent, like a very high end area in Denver. So the clientele is very specific. Um, very uh snooty i guess you could say or <laughs> it was definitely very like i enjoyed it for the most part um even even rude people and stuff like even all the the baggage i got or like flack i got was it was fine because like you know it wasn't a permanent job to me it was definitely like i viewed it as kind of a throwaway job in a way or a temporary gig um and maybe i was it sounds kind of rude or like really flippant and i I don't like, I feel bad about it in a way. I just, my, my opinion changed, you know, by March, everything changed. Like the, when the schools shut down, the, you know, everyone's working from home that can, everyone that is in the uh, restaurant industry had to, you know, go home and take government income or whatever they could do. And the tension just ratcheted up. Everything became so intense and surreal. Like the, the lines were to the back of the store you know, empty shelves. I never had anyone personally cry in front of me, but that happened to like everyone I knew. Um, had people just spilling their, their hearts out to me too. Like the, you know, so worried about everything that was going on. There were, remember when everyone thought that your pets could like carry it to you? Yeah. Like, so people wouldn't like pet their, or let you pet their cat, the, um, or dogs that came in, stuff like that. The, uh, or like wiping down your groceries, things like that. We had to wipe down all the conveyor belts. Like so the conveyor belt, the register, everything between each customer. And my story had I had went through hundreds of people went through my line easily. If it could probably a really busy Saturday it felt like a thousand. So and yeah, it just man, it wore you so thin so quick. Everything changed. It became claustrophobic and like miserable overnight. Yeah. <laughs> Was there, a, I'm, I'm thinking back to like the very start of things. And I, I, I mean, I think we probably collectively all underestimated uh, how long, you know, how impactful this would be. And I remember, you know, I had heard some, some buzz around this, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 thing, like back at the, the beginning. And for me, it wasn't really serious uh, until back-to-back days the NBA shut down and then Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson got killed. And I was just like, okay, so this is, this is real now. Did you have a moment like that, whether it was through work or, or outside of work that really kind of like hit home of, of how serious things were? Um, let's see. There was, there was like a few moments there. I remember this one woman that went through line, my line. She's the first person I really noticed that had a mask. There were a few other people that had masks on. Um, 
But this woman had like, she had like goggles on, she had like a face shield, she had a mask, she had like wraps, like, or like, not trash bags, but like, like gloves, latex gloves on. She had things on her feet. She was telling me that she lived through the AIDS epidemic in the eighties. And she's just like, I was like, well, that's, this isn't the same thing, but like, should I be like, it just got in my head, like, so worried so quickly, like, was she onto something? Like, what? What is going on here? And I mean, it was it was apparent almost immediately. It almost kind of bubbled up. That's what it felt like. It felt like it all of a sudden it just got started getting busier and busier and busier, and shelves got emptier and emptier. And the each cart is like five hundred dollars worth of groceries because it's a high end store. Um, not a specific moment, but I do remember her, and I just remember like looking at her like this this lady's crazy, but like. As we got farther along, it's like, well, she was at least ahead of like how people would treat it farther down the line. So it was telling. Yeah, she's like the uh, the periscope, I guess, for a, a shout out to a long forgotten social media platform. Yeah. <laughs> ahead of its time, but just too, it was too soon, too soon. <laughs> I haven't thought of periscope in so long, man. <laughs> I, I was like, I think that was the name of it. It took me a second. Like, I had to go through the the uh, graveyard of old social media platforms. So uh, a great time. Great time indeed. Now, your book started off as a blog. I was, was that like kind of the initial first sort of step for it? Or were you like, I, I know I want to write a book or did it just kind of because the blog blew up, you were like, wait, I could chronicle this into a book too. Well, like I, st- so I kind of like, I shelved the the old novel and I mean, honestly, I, re- I tried to reread it like a few months ago and I'm like, yeah, that was worth shelving. It's not really <laughs> like a little bit too in your head neuro- neuroses. Now there's some interesting stuff in there for sure. Like I'll probably revisit it eventually, but um, I started writing on necessity, really like the, the blog, the first post did really well. Like people connected immediately, but I just did it because I had no, no other way to like kind of work through what was going on like what I was experiencing. I was in a very peculiar, peculiar um, moment in, in history. Like you're like all of a sudden I'm kind of accidentally there. Like I'm only planned to be there for maybe a few months until I could find something else. And I got a full on manuscript instead. Like I'm thrust in a situation where I have no choice, but to be there. There's no other jobs out there. Um, and I'm on, I mean, the only place that's open the it's a center of community it's extremely busy it's it feels stressful beyond measure like tension just hangs in the air all the time and that was the best way for me to deal with it and it turned out that a lot of people connected and they were worried about um you know their cohort their loved ones people working in stores because no one knew what was going on we didn't know what the severity of it was or was it airborne was it on like like the where things were touching it, uh, it did out of necessity. And then as that grew and I like kept telling stories, people kept sharing and I, I felt a sense of like community with it that was like, Oh, you know, I see themes here. I see things that I want to build into a novel, a, a fictional memoir, whatever you want, really want to call it. And the people like the, this group of folks that, that work in grocery stores, cause I don't do, I don't work in a grocery store anymore, but they deserve a voice. They, like this story needs to be told. Like this is going to go down in history as a very strange 
interesting moment. And the people will write about it until we're dead. But like, it'd be good to tell the grocery store workers side of things, even through fiction. Was there something that surprised you about either working in a grocery store or the way that people treat grocery store workers? Um, I've worked in customer service, even in like a, like a corporate level. That's kind of what I was doing. That's what I'm doing now, like to pay the bills. Cause it you know, working in a grocery store doesn't pay anything. Um, and I had worked in retail a lot, so I was pretty familiar with how people were treated, but you know, there was this, a good example of what happened. And you saw a lot of the sort of stuff was there was this woman in my line. We started to run out of bags. Uh, because we were so busy and they couldn't, and this, probably the supply chain was broken on it too. I didn't know anything about that at the time, but uh, so it, we couldn't double bag the groceries. Well, the woman, in my line asked me to double bag the groceries. I didn't look up. I said, sorry, I can't double bag. And if I had read her a little bit better, I probably would have just done it. But she proceeded to grab everything off the conveyor belt that she had paid for everything already, but, and slam it into the cart and grabbed my, the bag that I was putting groceries in and threw it into her cart to the point where it fell off. And um, the whole time she's telling me, it's not you. It's not you. Like looking me in the eye, it's not you. And then I'm just sitting there stunned. And as she's going out, like she, she looks back at me, says something, licks her hand and smacks it on the final register and then walks out the building. Um, perfectly rational way to react. You know, why not? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who, everyone does Do it that. regularly, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did it today. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, like, it cemented the, like, people were just at a breaking point because it was like a month or two in, maybe. It was April, almost May, probably. And everyone was at such a breaking point. Now, she had no, like, reason or right to really treat someone like that. Cause it wasn't my fault at all. And like, it was just, a, it was circumstances. Everything sucks right now. And, um, but it was like that sort of thing just happened all the time. You became either like the, like whipping boy of the customer, or you might become a therapist. I listened to a lot of people really desperately, deeply worried about their lives and their families. Um, I remember one couple came in, and they, they were clearly in a fight. They were not having a great night. And, uh, like, I was trying to joke with them. It was towards the end of the night. And um, she, what did she say? She said, well, I guess this is date night. And it took me back. We all kind of laughed at it. That kind of broke the tension, sort of. I mean, they still left very mad at each other. But it got me to thinking. I'm like, I mean that this is, this is the only thing open. This is the center of community. This is everything right now. And that couple that probably never really, like maybe they meet up, like even if they live together, they only hang out every once in a while, but they also like meet up or they meet up for dinner. They don't really have to spend all their time together. They're not work, both working from home trapped or one works at a restaurant another one. So it, like you saw those sort of things all the time where we were definitely on the edge um, and people were just going like cuckoo being inside all the time. Yeah. I, I, I am thinking back to those early days too, where getting to be able to go to the grocery store was kind of like a, a red yeah. almost <laughs> from, from just, you know, all the craziness that's going on in the world. And when I'd see people like, 
I never I never saw like a full on fight, but I definitely saw some like wrestling uh, and tussling going on between people over like toilet paper or you know sanitary wipes or um things things like that where i was just like i don't i don't know if i'd ever get that desperate to like almost come to blows with someone but also like i'm not in these situations like they might have there was one woman who had like a, a small girl with her and i was like maybe you know this is like they're they're completely out of toilet paper and they need this or like maybe they've got a huge family at home that it's just all these things that you you know you want to give people the benefit of the doubt and then sometimes it's just like all of the things going on together causes people to to snap and then maybe like two minutes later they're back to totally normal like maybe that woman walked outside and was just like what the hell did i do like what was that and just yeah. walked to her car and was like I, oh my goodness like that was horrific that's a good point you know I, like the um i thought about this too because I, I i'm a single guy i don't really have like a lot of worries when it comes to like if i get food i can get enough i can live off of a, a fairly small amount I, I I think back to like how empty those shelves were. And if you are a family, a person with a family, you have to go in and get food for your family. Like you're providing everything for them. And you see these empty shelves like that has to like ratchet up the anxiety and the feeling that of like how worried you are that you're going to be able to feed your family. Granted the store that I was at, like if I was shopping, I wouldn't shop there because it's, it's expensive. It's whole food. So it's like very expensive. And it's kind of the last, like, place that I'd go because it's so pricey, but the, like, it would definitely bring a lot more anxiety if you had a family and the, you know, the people you'd see them like scoot around you, you know, at the beginning when they'd avoid you. And I saw a fair amount of arguing over social distancing, I never saw any fights, any tussles, but probably people got close and I didn't, you know, I can't see the whole store all at the same time. And you're so busy that you've just focused on your register. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> just time. People finding the best like dark alleys of the the store to like pull someone <laughs> into, and be like, "All right, it's going down." Here. Someone's gonna get shanked. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna end very poorly. <laughs> so, you have the blog; it's getting shared. People are people are really responding to it. So then you start putting the book together. Mm-hmm. What was was it, like? Did everything just come out real easily, or was it? also kind of a bit of a process like the the first novel was well you know so since i've been writing the um writing blog posts i was able to like kind of collect those and weave them together now the writing process in general of writing a book a novel is quite the the so it took me four months roughly to get a manuscript and then f- four months to like pu- like edit and publish it so and like, I mean, it's brutal. Like it's like spends all my time, but I had nothing else to do. There was nothing else going on. Um, and I think that was the first new year's that I didn't do anything in my entire adult life. Like I just stayed home. The, I always think new year's is very overrated. So I'm with you. Oh, totally. it's <laughs> amateur hour. I'm too old for it now for the most part, but you know, it'd be nice to go to a friend's house at least or something, but yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, it, I wove all those things together and it was kind of a non-traditional way of putting it together. And that's why it ended up being what it is. It's like a a present tense first person account. And it's less about like a, the story of Daniel in a lot of ways, like the pandemic's almost the kind of the main character in a way. Um, It's about a lot about feel and tension. 
um, how you like really immersing yourself in the moment. So I've heard people now we're getting farther out, but like at the beginning when I published the book, they were like, this is too much. This reminds me of like the worst time of my life. And um, I don't want that. I want people to laugh. I think it's, I've heard it's hilarious. I think it's supposed to be darkly funny. It's definitely a dark comedy that um, explores the darkness of the pandemic, but also like the caricatures. Like I am these characters for sure. I've been rude to customer service people for no reason. And you should be able to laugh at that and like grow from it. So that's definitely my goal there. Yeah, I think that's been something I uh, that I think has been a very interesting conversation during the pandemic is like what you're finding funny. Because <laughs> there are things where I, uh, you know, if you've had a heavy day, like you'll laugh at something where I was like, I don't know if I'd normally laugh at that, but just like the combination of events that have happened to like lead up to this, like, yes, I find this, I'll use the Big Bang Theory because I always say that's like my go-to not funny show. Um, and I think the laugh track just over. That's overdoes fair. it i uh, apologies to all my uh, big bang theory listeners although i have heard young sheldon is very good uh, although well, i've never watched that so i really liked the first season of big bang because it was like smart funny okay but like lit you know after that it just got high, it got high on its own farts or something and it was just, <laughs> it was funny. okay like, maybe i'll revisit season one because i think a lot of the ones i've seen are like later once yes it's very uh, high on farts uh, which is yeah. probably a joke that they've used within there too and played it off as big brain, big brain energy. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, two and a half men, same way. Like the first like season or two, really like edgy sitcom. After that, you know, it's just the same repetitive jokes over again. And like, you know, he's a sexist dude that's just, I don't know, a drunk. That's all. <laughs> Not that interesting. And we all laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh at his crippling addiction to alcohol. Oh, I love it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> gosh. So from, I always like to ask authors this because writing the book is, we'll say 10 to 20% marketing, huge element of it as well. Obviously appearing on great podcasts like this one, I would say is the number one uh, way to market a book. But <laughs> what else have you found that has worked well? And has there been anything where you're like, oh, that's going to be great? And then it, it didn't really have very good results. Honestly, so all like the, the marketing, like through Facebook, with Facebook's my biggest platform. Um, and uh, Amazon marketing really haven't done anything for me. It's almost like I hired a PR firm because like I don't, for one, I just don't have time to do stuff. And uh, it was worth it. it if not for like, if I didn't make the money back, if I don't make the money back, but at least for the experience and like the building, the press resume, like, um, and it's just been the best experience of my life. It's so cool. I've gotten on some really cool stuff, like this amazing podcast. Right Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I've some pretty big market things and it's been pretty fun. I did it and I've done some articles. It's like, it's so worth it to invest in yourself, man. It's like, it, even. Like, I think this is a good book and I think it'll make money. And it, I think if it finds its way into the culture, that's what I really would love. You know, when I, when I stopped work or like I quit my corporate job, it was the first time in my life I'd taken a leap where I really like let go of doing the same old shit that I've always done. Like just a job to do a job. I went to college to do college. I've always been a creative person, but never really put in the time and effort and um, 
gave gave it my all. And even if it was a different novel that I never maybe I never used any of that ever again, that led me to you know working in a grocery store and being in the weirdest circumstance. Most like I would have never imagined in a lifetime that I would have been there, but let alone start a blog, write a book, do a media tour. Um, just in every way, it's been rewarding. And like when I was going through those really tough months working in the grocery store, I leaned into it because I knew I was experiencing something very unique, you know, something very um, special, if nothing else. Like, even if it was, it was horrible, like I was like miserable all the time and I couldn't go hang out with my friends and like happy hours via the internet do not work. Like people just get drunk on their own thing. And then they're talking against like others and doesn't make any sense. The, um, but in every way it was so worth it. Yeah. I think that's been, I, uh... I mean, I, I feel the same way with this podcast, too. It's like there's been times where I'm less than, you know, I'm maybe having like a crummy day or something and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, now I've got like a recording to go to. But I always come out of it afterwards just feeling so refreshed and, and invigorated. And I think that largely, again, goes back to the investing in yourself and like taking those chances, taking those leaps, because look at what you've got from it with a lot more on the way, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, I'm working on a second book and I'm working on the audio book for this and it's it's like you don't want to wake up one day and you're 60 years old and you're like I didn't I want you know I wanted to write a book or I wanted to I wanted to express myself in some way that had like true meaning and could connect with people, make them happy or sad or something or make them feel anything. That's the most amazing thing about being a human is feel, like you you can feel things and um yeah, it was like I feel like it's so rewarding. And now, now I know how to write a book. I have that process down. So the second one is a continuation. Piece of cake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so easy. The, um, but it's, it's a continuation of Daniel's story, but it's going to be straight up novel, like a fiction all the way. Um, Cause I think a grocery store is an interesting place. I think it's a center of community. Like I never thought of it before. It's got the one I worked at had over 200 people working in it and you had some characters. Oh man, you got some like a, a organic grocery store like that. You have it's like odd ducks and people that have been working there 30 years. Like I couldn't imagine working in a grocery store 30 years. That means 30 years of working the Thanksgiving day rush and Christmas and weekends and all these like things. And you get to see the nuts and bolts and you really are mixed in with people and like customers in an interesting way. So. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting writing it. It's going to be a lot longer. It's also completely different dynamic because I'm not writing it or not living it. I'm writing it post afterwards. So it's going to probably be harder, honestly. Yeah, but but you're a pro now. So it'll be yeah, yeah, it'll be good. simple, simple. Easy. Now, and, and this <laughs> ties in nicely, I think, with a question I always like to ask, which is one that you wish you were asked more frequently. And you can even answer it for both of them since you've got the second one I, on the horizon as well. Is who do you think this book is for? You know, I I like to. It's two different segments of two different types of experiences. I think you get out of it: retail workers and service industry folks. So, yeah, like servers, cooks, anyone like that. I had a, really an awesome review from. The girl that was a, she's kind of a professional server, I guess. That's been her life, like, is her career. And she absolutely loved it. She's like, I could just feel the the conversations, like the, 
it's like you were speaking my language and I don't think I've ever read something where someone was speaking for me or speaking in my, like my language of what service industry people go through. Um, also like grocery store industry folks. So like, that's one way to connect to it. Then I also think there's this large segment of the population that doesn't think about or notice grocery store workers or retail workers in general or service industry folks. They're just, they're just passing through, you know, and like, that's why I feel like they can be dismissed so much. They'll be, they'll be rude. I call them Linda's and Dave's <laughs> in the book. It's like very boomer sort of thing, but like the, um, just being, you know, dismissive of actual humans that are in front of you. Like they're nothing. Like I got ghosted of not a, quite a few times under 10, but like someone would not even talk to me like straight up, like, Hey, how's it going? Nothing. And they, I scan their stuff. Hey, do you, are you a member? Blah, 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 nothing, like nothing. And take the bag and leave. They just walk out the door and you're like, what just happened? Did I just like, am I a person? Did I lose my humanity here? That's so fucking crazy. Like that you wouldn't say hi. Um, and I, I think there's a large cross section of people that don't know what grow, like retail employees go through, what the struggle is. So I think that opens up their eyes. My aunt was like, are people really, do they really treat you like that? And I'm like, you know, aunt Carol, it's probably way worse. To be honest with you. Like I probably got it easy to be honest. Just I was there for a shorter period of time too, like a year and a half, roughly as a cashier. Then I moved to a different department. Um, but yeah, I, th I think those are the two main people and it's for everyone really, but like, there's so many people that don't know what goes on there. And then the ones that really do like the ones that really connect to it. Yeah. I think that's, I know this is not a unique thought, but I think everyone should have at least some experience in a service or retail uh, industry. Oh, yeah. I remember my, my very first job was working at a cold stone and I agree. I think I also got off easy. Like, I don't think I had, I, as you know, a lot of people that want ice cream are reasonable enough. Sometimes you'll get uh, some odd requests, but it was never. <laughs> did, yeah. you to, did you have to sing? Yes, this was before yes. they they took that away as a oh, as a requirement. And what often, for most of the time I was working there, I I was mainly working Sundays because I had uh, basketball practice. I worked there for probably about like ten months in total, and then for like six or seven of them, I played. This was in high school. I played basketball. I, so we had practices or, or games like Monday through Saturday. And then so Sunday was the only day I could reliably work. Uh, and so mm -hmm. occasionally I'd work like during the week, but usually it was Sunday. So a lot of people, but during the winter months, this was in Chicago, so very cold in the winter. Our boss thought people don't want ice cream when it's cold, but here's, here's the secret about ice cream. People always want it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what That's the temperature true. is. They they crave it. And it was across the street from a movie theater. So people would come out of a movie, get ice cream and go home. And I was like, it seems like a logical order of operation. So it makes sense to me. But as a result of our bosses thinking, I was usually the only employee there. So if someone tipped, I'm like, would you like me to sing? Sometimes they'd be like, no, you don't have to. Other times <laughs> they're like, you know, I would kind of like to hear it. So, yeah, so then like, the I line know. is shut down <laughs> because I have to sing this song and put on a little like oh. song and dance for them. I but. And everyone else is waiting in line kind of like, can I just put my order in? And I was like, I would love to take your order, but I have to sing this ice cream themed uh, version of the Adams Family, for example. Dance, um, monkey, dance. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Um, but if, if someone left a really big tip, like there were a couple of people who would leave, you know, kind of like $10 tips. And 
for a high school student making less than that an hour. Like that was, yeah, I was gonna say, that's phenomenal. Like two hours work, yeah. Probably. I was like, I will sing you this song and actually enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, when I was, I worked at Wendy's was my really my first job job besides working in a grocery store actually. But this lady one time, she was so upset about her sandwich that she threw it at the wall behind me. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Like I think it had onions on it. She didn't want onions or something. And she just like, slammed it like threw it against the wall and i'm like like you know 16 year old oh kid like, you here <laughs> i know it's like you're you're not trained for that like we were <laughs> we were told to make pleasant small talk <laughs> i'm like i don't know how to handle that <laughs> yeah like chit chat and that's it like uh, people are people are ridiculous and um i hope this book opens some people's eyes i really do like i if it makes an impact in any way like that it would make me smile make me feel really good. Yeah, I think I think it will. Um, and it's it's great that you are writing it because I I do think there needs to be more, I uh, consistent light shine on show show shined. We need to shine more consistent light on <laughs> all of that. Uh, so we'll take a little bit of a hard turn. You're almost off the hook here. Uh, but we always like to wrap up with a top three for you. Let's see your top three favorite authors. Okay, so Hunter S. Thompson. Um, was I feel like young men in general, like they get it's like Hemingway or something, like you read that sort of thing and you gravitate towards it. But I remember like reading him in my early 20s, and I was just like, This guy's like speaking, it's like a, he's like speaking for me, like this you know, dark view on the world, like how it feels like everything's kind of fucked, like the I don't know, government, the 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 whole organization is against you. And it's just, it is fascinating. It made me fall in love with writing was, I was like, this is absolutely amazing. Like chewing, he's a journalist. So a lot of it was nonfiction and uh, the way he like created, turned it into fiction was phenomenal. Um, Camus, Albert Camus would be a big one for me. Um, I like, like this book is really about absurdism in a lot of ways. Like the, it's an absolutely absurd thing that Daniel is pushed in this situation. And like, I treat a lot of the scenes in there, like with his, with his neighbors. And I, the reason I had to fictionalize it, cause I want to like really bring that home that like, there's this like scene with um, two Lindas arguing and Daniel has to get a burrito that's right behind him. And they're arguing and arguing. And then all of a sudden they, they start talking to each other. Like they like each other. Like they, they, they change everything. They give each other tips and shit. And, he just needs to get a burrito and he asks if he can go get it. They don't want it. He goes around him and brushes him. And then everyone, they're like, you can't do that. You, you just broke social distancing. And so they start yelling at him about social distancing. Everyone around him starts yelling at him about social distancing. It becomes this like a claustrophobic feel. And I wanted to bring that home. And I thought Camus, Camus definitely influenced me in the way that I think in general philosophically. But, um, Finally, uh, Brett Easton Ellis, I would say, is maybe my favorite. I, his very flat, like deadpan look at the world, kind of very dark, um, also somewhat beautiful writing. The um, Joan Didion would be like like the nonfiction female ver- Well, and, and her fictional works very similar too. But like, and she's a lot older. She influenced him. We had the the very bleak look at the world I find fascinating and 
like all too often we we don't really like take that into account we want everything to be rosy mm-hmm. yeah let's get some bleakness sometimes that's right like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Adam, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. This was fantastic. If people want to pick up a copy of the book, they want to learn more, where can they find you? Um, thank you. This was really amazing, Joey. I really had a blast, dude. Um, so you can find out Amazon.com. It's Life on the Grocery Line, a Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic. And yeah, that's the best place to get it. And yeah, uh, please go out and do it and support and be nice to grocery store workers. Just you know, yeah. give a smile and look them in the face and say their name when you acknowledge them that means a lot i like that i like that yeah treat people with kindness we can do it we can do it we can do it (laughs) (laughs) well adam thank you again of course we got to wrap with a corny joke as we always do i've got a a really good friend she's a writer and a baker and she makes phenomenal synonym rolls good after today people Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.